All right, thank you for being back tonight, folks. Grab your hymn book now. Everybody stand. Let's make a joyful noise together this evening. Brother Ken, come on. Amen. You read songbook tonight, page 401, The Unclouded Day. We're going to break Baptist tradition and sing every verse. That's four of them. Amen. There's four verses there. So we're going to sing all four tonight, page number 401 in your red songbook. Sorry, I missed that cue, didn't I? That was my fault. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the skies. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home when a storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the land of an unclouded sky. Tell me of a home when a storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me of a home where my friends have gone. Oh, they tell me of that land far away where the tree of life in eternal bloom sheds its fragrance through the unclouded day. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the land of an unclouded sky. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me of a home where... The, sorry, let's do that verse again. I'm not going to mess that one up. Amen. That third verse, we ain't supposed to sing it, Brother David, but we're going to try it again. <laughs> Here we go, one more time. I can't read the right <laughs> Oh, they tell me of a king in his beauty there, and they tell me that mine eyes shall behold where he sits on the throne that is wider than snow. In the city that is made of gold. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the land of an unclouded sky. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children. Smile drops their sorrows all away, and they tell me that no tears ever come again in that lovely land of unclouded day. Oh, the land of cloudless day, oh, the land of an unclouded sky. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Amen. Thank you so much. Love that good singing, congregation. Thank you. Appreciate that. A few requests this evening. Uh, I, of course, I mentioned this morning about praying for Brother Coe's family. Uh, and I gave you these requests downstairs uh, during my Sunday school class, but want to give them to you tonight. Continue to pray for Brother uh, uh, Tim's grandmother. That is, of course, Miss Sue's mom. Uh, she is improving, but pray for her. Uh, continue to pray for Brother Johnny Martin, if you would please. Pray also for uh, Marsha Rourke's uh, father. He is in ICU uh, in the hospital. Uh, in in Boone, North Carolina. So remember them. That's where she is. Been going up there on weekends. So remember her, uh, her, her dad, if you would. Brother Eddie Gunner uh, leaves this week for another missions trip. Be gone for a few weeks. And then Sister Marie Hancock, uh, one of our shut-ins, uh, is scheduled for surgery this coming Wednesday. Uh, lots to be praying about. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, we love you tonight. And we're thankful for the opportunity to come back together to worship you on a Sunday night. Lord, uh, we are so glad that we can bring our petitions to you just as you you've commanded us to do. And Lord, we're looking forward to that day when we'll never have another prayer request. Uh, Lord, for we'll be with the great physician forever. Lord, in the meantime, there's work to be done. So bless our preaching time tonight. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Brother Ken, let's have a song of fellowship. Amen. In the same book tonight, page number 46, 
Page 46, I'd rather be an old-time Christian. We'll sing the first verse, of course. Have a time of fellowship. Page number 46. In this world I've tried most everything And I'm happy now to say There is nothing like religion In the good old-fashioned way than anything I know. I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. There's nothing like an old-time Christian with a Christian love to show. I'm walking in the grand old highway and I'm telling everywhere I go that I'd rather be an old-time Christian than a while. Brother Daryl Hyatt. Come here, buddy.
All right, thank you so much. Let me uh, let me give you a couple quick announcements, uh, uh, things that I didn't announce this morning. Uh, first of all, uh, I'll just remind Brother Ken mentioned this Wednesday night, uh, and I'll mention it to everybody tonight. And uh, if you want, I'll put it out on the call system as well. I'll be up to you all. Uh, but uh, Miss Susan and Miss Leanne and a few others have gotten together, and they're going to start a a a. a uh, a weight loss encouragement program here at the church, and it will happen on Wednesday nights at 5.30. It's for ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the first weigh-in, I, I just I can't, that's, that sounds so um, mean. <laughs> the first weigh-in is this Wednesday at 5.30, and uh, they were telling me about it. I told them I was offended. If they'd have started this six months ago, I'd have won. <laughs> <laughs> they give prizes too, uh, but uh, the first weigh-in is uh, this Wednesday night at 5:30, uh, and then Miss Leanne and Susan have all the handouts. You can see that they're calling it "Less Is More." Less is more, and so that's a new ministry here at the church. Uh, uh, so keep that in mind. It's open to everybody. It's not just for ladies. It's for anybody that wants to lose a little bit of weight. We joke about it, but this body is the temple of God. Amen. And uh, we need to do our best to take care of it. So I think it's fantastic uh, what they're doing. Uh, and then also a reminder about the help that we're needed. We did have a few more folks to sign up in our, our, so, our postal area over there with regards to the college meals. Uh, and thank you for that. And then also thank you for those that brought in uh, the uh, food tonight for the Coe family. Uh, we'll put those, uh, that, that uh, final information out again. We think it's Wednesday. Uh, uh, but not sure about that. I'll put that out on our call system. And then another announcement, Brother Cassidy was just sharing with me, Brother Scott. Uh, for those of us that use our online platform for donating, uh, you probably got your year-end contributions emailed to you. Uh, just point out two quick things. Uh, when you uh, uh, see that, you may see that, uh, if you print that if you print the email out, uh, the email, uh, uh, the printout won't have the Stanley Towns Amazing Grace Baptist Church heading on there. Uh, and you probably want that. If you ever get audited, you want that. So in order to get the heading attached, all you got to do is just log in to the system and print that login. And you can do that even from your app on your cell phone. If you got questions, Brother uh, Cassidy will help you uh, uh, navigate that. Just see him for that. Just want to call that to your attention. Uh, and again, thank you so much for those that have already brought in clothing, if, you're, if you would. Uh, do we have a deadline on that, Miss Leanne? Nope. So that's an open thing. Uh, if you And see... Uh, 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 for you fellas, you notice the size that they want is large. As you lose weight because of the less is more, you can donate your clothes. There you go. Uh, so keep that in mind. Fellas, make your way down if you would, please. Uh, Evan, you come get ready to sing for us, young man. And I uh, appreciate this young man. Appreciate his talent for the Lord. And uh, love to hear this kid sing. So you, uh, you pray for Evan as he sings tonight. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. James, you pray for us this evening, buddy. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be here. Lord, uh, we don't take it lightly. Lord, we thank you for the facility that you provided, the people that you've brought here. Lord, we thank you for making us your people, for sending your son to die for us, that we might have the privilege to know you and uh, love you and worship you. Father, we do pray for the preaching tonight. Lord, we ask you to take this offering. May you use it to further your purpose in the kingdom of your son. Father, we love you, and it's through your son we pray. Amen. faced a mountain that I never faced before that's why I'm calling on you Lord no it's been a while but Lord please hear my prayer I need you like I never have Sometimes it takes a mountain Sometimes a troubled sea Sometimes it takes a desert 
get a hold of me Your love is so much stronger Than whatever troubles me Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Forgive me, Jesus. I thought I could control whatever life my way but this I will admit has brought me to my knees I need you Lord and I'm not ashamed to say sometimes it takes a mountain Sometimes a troubled sea Sometimes it takes a desert To get a hold of me Your love is so much trust you and believe sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe sometimes it takes a mountain Sometimes a troubled sea Sometimes it takes a desert To get a hold of me your Bibles to the book of Joshua, please, this evening to the book of Joshua tonight. If you would, please, the book of Joshua, chapter number one this evening. Joshua, chapter number one. While you're turning there, I'll give you something, put a little smile on your face. Uh, Dr. Moore and his wife are helping out in uh, our, our children's church. And uh, we're so grateful for that. And anytime anybody helps out and steps up and says, what can we do? We love it. Um, uh, Sister Evans came to me tonight, and uh, Leanne was standing there. And Sister Evans said, now, I didn't come just to sit. I came to work. And uh, Leanne said, I got 26 jobs already. I need her to do. So uh, praise the Lord for that. But anyway, after church this morning, um, 
Uh, Dr. Moore came up to me and he said, uh, we had a couple youngsters that didn't have Bibles. Do we have Bibles here? And I, of course, have gift Bibles that we keep in my office. So I took him back here. I said, anytime anybody doesn't have a Bible, here's where you go. Grab it. Don't ask me. Just come get it. That's what we keep them here for. And uh, he turned and he saw the uh, UVA blanket that's on my recliner. Uh, and he looked at me and he turned and he said, uh, you're missing something, preacher. And I said, excuse me? He pointed at my blanket and said, you're missing the T. And I was standing there a little confused, and his wife looked at me and looked at him, and she said, oh, my gosh, no, you didn't. And I said, what are you talking about, Dr. Moore? She said, he said, Virginia Tech, you're missing the T. So I looked at him, and I said, well, you know, you can be a fan of Virginia Tech and be right with God, but you just can't be a fan of Carolina and be right with God. He looked at me, and he said, I knew we was in the right church. <laughs> Joshua chapter number one, please. Joshua chapter number one. I'm going to read tonight uh, throughout the evening most, in fact, if not all, the entire chapter. So we will not read all the verses in advance as we often do because it's a lengthy passage, and we'll see how far we get. I'm so excited to kick off tonight. Uh, a new series that I've been praying about really for several weeks, in fact, a few months actually. Um, and I'll tell you again that the, the, the genesis behind this, I'm not going to name names, I'd never do that. But I have some dear friends of mine that I actually went to college with that had reached out to me, goodness, probably a year or two ago, going through some significant battles and some spiritual warfare. And uh, in the course of an email, he put in the email to me, he uh, just said, Dr. Hodges, I have to tell you, I have lost my Christian joy. I've lost my Christian joy. The reality is that is the battle that all of us are going to face, folks. If you've been saved, the enemy knows he cannot have your soul. Say amen. But he wants to rob you of the joy of your salvation. One of the great passages I think that's ever been written is by David in Psalm 51. After he had been uh, discovered by the great preacher and and when he repents of his sins, he says there at the very beginning of this beautiful psalm, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You see, as believers in Christ, uh, we have spiritual victory available to us. But the enemy robs it. The enemy wants to steal it. Let's be honest, our flesh often gets in the way. Sometimes, don't throw it, leave me out on a limb, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Next to the Satan himself. And so I want to talk to you over the next several weeks. I'll be, t I'll be giving you some on Wednesday nights, some on Sunday nights, uh, uh, of looking about how we rediscover our spiritual victory, how we claim the victory that is ours. I said this morning, I'll say again, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I don't believe you can name it and claim it. I don't believe that applies to material blessings. You've heard me a lot talk about this, especially those of you who are with us at the old building. I used to try that a lot with Jaguars. I, I would lay hands on them. I would name them. I would claim them. I even licked a few door handles. Amen. And I'm still driving a Ford. Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, one, one year for Christmas, Leanne really got my goose good. She talked it up a lot. She said that God had spoken to her heart and God had laid upon her that she wanted her preacher to have the desires of, her, of his heart. And God had laid upon her heart that, that uh, she was going to get him uh, the car he'd always wanted. I had this little package that I was sure was going to be car keys. It was a matchbox car. <laughs> it was a Jaguar for sure. I'm not a name it and claim it prosperity preacher because of material blessings, you hear me, material blessings don't give us joy. Material blessings is not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about spiritual victory. I also want to pause just a moment setting the stage for you uh, and give you just a few moments of historical background, if I may. The great leader, Moses, uh, as Joshua opens, has been uh, called home to be with the Lord. He's no longer on the scene, and now Joshua has been commissioned by God to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Why Joshua? we got to go back into the book of Exodus, and you folks have been in church any length of time, you know this story. That it was never God's will, hear me what I'm about to say, it was never God's perfect will, perfect will, for the Israelites to roam around in the desert for 40 years. It had been God's perfect will, 
And that's a quick story that we can pause a moment. There is a, always what, what, when we follow God's will, we get his best. When we don't follow his will, oftentimes what we end up with is far less than his best. So uh, it had been God's perfect will for them to receive the law, to be called out of Egypt, cross over into the promised land. But as the time came for them to cross over, Moses sends 12 spies ahead. Uh, Ten of them come back and say, we can't do this. There are two who say we can. The two were Joshua and Caleb. And you know the rest. Uh, For 40 years, the Israelites roamed around in the desert. uh, And for 40 years, uh, one by one, all 2 million plus, of those Israelites passed away. Nobody of the original uh, that were called out of Egypt were allowed to cross over into the promised land. The only ones who were allowed to go were Joshua and Caleb because they had the faith. So now the time has come to cross over. Forty years of wilderness wandering has ceased and it is time to possess the land that God had promised. We call this land Canaan, Canaan land, the promised land. Now, i got to pause a moment, and we need to talk about some symbolism and some typology so that you understand this. And I, I want you to be very clear on what I'm about to say. We often sing songs about crossing Jordan, and when we do so, that's always a type of death. We often sing songs, in fact, one of my very favorite songs in all of Southern Gospel is a song sung by the cathedrals called Canaan Land is Just in Sight. Uh, It is a beautiful song. I love it, love it, love it. But the typology on it is not exactly right. And I I want to explain this to you before we dive into this. Don't misunderstand me. We'll continue to sing these songs because of the meaning behind them are beautiful. I love it. But hear me what I'm about to say. You understand that when the Israelites crossed Jordan, when they went into the heart of the promised land, they still had battles, they still had warfare, they still had temptations, uh, there was still death, uh, there were still problems, uh, there were cities that had to be conquered, uh, there was all kinds of turmoil that still happened. Would you hear me? There ain't none of that in heaven, church. There is none of that in heaven. There are no more battles. There are no more warfares. There are more no more tribulations. So Canaan is not in Scripture a type or a symbol for heaven. But rather, it is a type or a symbol for the victory that awaits every believer who claims it. Let me say that again. Canaan, or what we think of as the promised land is a type or a symbol for the victorious Christian life that is available to every believer. Let me put it another way. Even in the midst of the battles, you can have victory. Even in the midst of the trials, you can have victory. Even in the midst of the tribulations, you can still have the joy of your salvation. I'm going to give you a moment of Gregology here. I understand, I understand the difficulties uh, that will sometimes rob us of the joy of our salvation. We all face them. There's not, there's not a one of us in the building that won't fall into this. But hear me what I'm about to say because I think it's so important. We can let Satan, we can allow the enemy to grapple with us. Here's the beauty of it. He can never have our soul. He can never have back. That which has been flicked on for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you're saved, you're always saved. That's shouting ground. If you're born again, the devil is not going to take that away from you. So we're going to talk tonight and over the next several weeks about how we claim the Christian victory. How we claim the Christian victory. Tonight, we're going to look at a message that I've entitled, Victory is on the Horizon. Victory is on the Horizon. So let's begin tonight, and we'll read down through the first nine verses this evening. Joshua chapter number one, beginning in verse number one. Now the death of Moses, the servant, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place 
that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. That have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Therefore shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to thy right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt in, in meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 9. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I love that last clause. He says it twice in those last verses. Uh, the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Three things that we're going to look at quickly tonight as we unveil this first message in the series. Number one, I want you to note that God gives a very clear command. God gives a very clear command. What's the command? It's a threefold command. They are told in the first four verses, here's the first thing you need to do. Go claim the land that's yours. Go claim the land that is yours. May I remind you that this was not a new promise. This is the same promise that God had given Abraham. This is the same promise that God had given Isaac. This is the same promise that God had given Moses. That land that is under dispute has been under dispute for some 6,000 years. Uh, this is not a new land. This is not a new promise. But rather, it is God fulfilling the promise that he'd already told them. This land is yours. Uh, it's available to you. I give it to you and your descendants. Descendants, uh, this land belongs to you. Remember, I'm talking about Canaan land. I'm talking about the promised land. And it's a type or a symbol for victorious Christian living. So look this way. May I say to you, God did not save us to be miserable. God did not save us uh, to be of all people most miserable. In fact, he saved us uh, to give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. I am not by any means trying to be unkind or belittle what we go through, uh, but there are far too many believers today uh, who are walking around with the joy of no salvation or with no joy whatsoever when God promised us uh, that victorious Christian living is ours as long as we stay in the lines. Because the first thing that Moses, excuse me, Joshua was told is here are the boundaries. Here are the boundaries. Can I stop a moment, church? I hope you'll say amen. Boundaries are a blessing from God. When you love your children, you set boundaries and guidelines. When you've got youngsters, you don't tell them to go do what they want, watch what they want, listen to what they want, act how they want. Uh, you set boundaries and guidelines uh, because you love them. That's your blessing to them. Uh, we are pre-wired mentally, emotionally uh, to crave boundaries. Uh, and so when that lack of boundaries comes up, uh, then suddenly uh, we've got no clarity and no direction. Uh, so when God gave them the promised land, the first thing he did is say, claim the land, but here's the boundaries around which you may operate. Let's keep going. Because after he tells them to claim the land, the next thing he says is have confidence in the Lord. Have confidence in the Lord. For the sake of time, we won't read them again, but you go back and read verse number 5. He tells them that the promise of victory over their enemy. Verse number 6, he gives them the promise of absolute victory and the promise of God to keep his promises. They had one thing that they had to do in order to achieve both of these promises. In the Bible, there are two kinds of promises. There is an unconditional promise, 
which means no matter what happens, this is what's going to occur. No matter what you do, this is what's going to occur. It's an unconditional promise. And then there are what's called conditional promises. In other words, in order for this to happen, this must occur. This is a conditional promise. Verse number five again, verse number six again, he goes through those promises. But in order to get these, God says you got to do one thing, trust and obey. Trust and obey. Have confidence in the Lord and stay in the lines that he's told us to do. I'm going to be blunt tonight, folks, because oftentimes the reason we don't have Christian joy, the reason that we don't have what it is that is God's best for us is because we've decided that we know more than God and we've decided to step out of the boundaries and we don't like the results. I'm going to be blunt. I walked that walk for four years. You know my testimony. I told you my testimony. A lot of times, raised up in church, there every time the doors is open, went away to William and Mary and decided that I knew more than God, and I sure knew more than mom and daddy. And so I wasn't going to church. I'd been in church all of my life. And it wasn't surprising that three years later, my life is in a chaotic mess. He said amen like he was there. (laughs) What a surprise uh, that when I decided to go my own way and do things I wanted to do uh, without any forethought or care of what God said, that my life was in an absolute uh, spiraling downward mess. I've told you the story. I won't go through all of it again. Uh, I took Renee out for the first time, uh, thought I was going to find a sympathetic ear thought when I uh, uh, laid all of this on the table there at Shoney's over a delicious hot fudge cake and a cup of coffee that I bought, that she was going to just be full of sympathy and say, oh, woe is me, pitiful me, pitiful Greg. But she looked at me and she said, you're so far out of God's will, uh, what do you expect is going to happen? You know better. Of course, my mother was elated and overjoyed that I took the preacher's daughter out. And so she comes home, I come home, and my wife is standing, my mother is standing there in the kitchen. How'd it go? How'd it go? She's so excited. And I looked at my mother and said, I feel sorry for anybody that falls in love with that self-centered, egotistical, maniacal, mean woman. And look at me. I still do feel sorry for her. But you know what my wife was saying? You're coloring outside the lines. You've stepped outside the boundaries. It's one thing not to know better, but when we do know better and we choose to ignore it, uh, I'm not being unkind. We should not be surprised by the disastrous consequences. So the first thing God says, claim the land. Second thing God said is have confidence in the Lord. The third thing he said is carry out the law. Look at verse 7. I do want to reread that. Look at verse 7. Notice what it says. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Thou mayest serve to do according to all the law. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. See the condition there, folks? Do you see what was told of them? If you want to claim this land, if you want to be successful in this next endeavor, if you want to to be marvelously blessed by your heavenly Father, then you must claim and obey the law that God gave Moses. He says in verse 7, they got to keep the law. He says in verse 8, they got to meditate on the law. And he says at the end of verse 8, that they would prosper by honoring the law. Let me stop, because I know what some of you are already thinking, and you're absolutely right. Pastor Greg, we don't live in the age of the law. We live in the age of grace. Thank God. Thank God we don't have to remember the hundreds of commandments that the law became. The deeds and the don'ts and what you should and shouldn't sacrifice on which occasion. Thank goodness that we don't have to memorize all of that stuff. Because you understand that the law was a mirror. The law was a beautiful mirror that painted, if you will, the reflection that said, you can't keep this, you need somebody to do it for you. We don't live in the age of the law, we live in the age of grace. 
But you hear me what I'm about to say. That does not mean that we can do anything we want to do. I've heard my feel of Christians who say or seem to think that I can act, walk, talk, and do anything I want, and God's okay with it. Here's my response. There is a vast difference between God's best and what's just okay. I've lived in both, and I'm miserable when I'm outside the lines. I'm miserable, and God lets me, God reminds me of it often. I'm miserable when I color outside the lines. When I keep the commandments that God hath given, uh, that's the way to Christian happiness. We don't have the law, but you do have the book that you hold in your lap. You have plenty of things that God says we should and shouldn't do. And I'm convinced that it's not a matter of not knowing. It's a matter of not wanting to do it. So number one was God's commandment. God's commandment. Let's go to the second point tonight quickly. Because as they began to carry out the possession of the land, verses 10 through 15, we go now from what is very clearly a commandment of God to what becomes a challenge of Joshua. A challenge of Joshua. Let's read just two verses tonight. To begin with, we'll read them all, but let's read two verses to begin with because you see clearly what Joshua says. I love this man. Verse 10. At this point, Joshua assumes commandment of the army or the, of the people. Verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, Pass through the host and command the people saying prepare you victuals down in the south we might call them vittles everywhere else they call it food prepare some food for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it so what's the first thing that Joshua tells them as he accepts the command of God to lead the Israelites over into the promised land the first thing if I can paraphrase Joshua says is you got to get ready you got to get ready what's the first thing that had to happen they had to prepare some food why hear me for 40 years the Israelites had been fed with what church manna but as they crossed over into the promised land, the manna was about to stop. They're not going to have a morning collection of manna. They're not going to have a Friday two-day collection because they weren't allowed to collect on the Sabbath. There was no manna on the Sabbath. These people for 40 years had been divinely fed by God. Every morning they got up and the food was there. Enough to last for the day. And on Fridays, enough to last for two days. But that divine miracle is about to stop. And the first thing that Joshua says is you've got to get ready for what's about to happen. I'm going to be blunt throughout this series, folks, because I love you. And I want to see all of you, myself included, live in Christian victory. Would you hear me what I'm about to say? Because there are far too many people this evening, far too many believers tonight who need to change their diet. What do you mean, Pastor Greg? You see, we can't feast on the things of the world and expect to live in Christian victory. I'll say that again. We cannot feast on the garlic and the leeks of Egypt and expect to, to live in the bountiful blessing. Remember, the promised land is a land flowing with milk and honey. Gonna be, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for them to eat, but so often, we find ourselves longing for the, for the trash that we feasted on down in Egypt. And before you know it, instead of walking towards spiritual victory, we're walking back in the direction from which God saved us out of. He said to them, you've got to get ready. Go to verse 12, quickly. Verse 12. The Reubenites and to the Gadites... And to half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua. Let's pause there a second. If you've uh, got a hard copy Bible instead of a, an electronic Bible, I want you to turn to the back to your maps tonight. Turn to the back to your maps. 
And in all likelihood, you probably have a map that is something like, if you do, uh, and in fact, uh, many of you do, will have a map that is something like the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, you may not because some, some, some Bibles don't have that particular map. But if you've got a Bible that has the 12 tribes of Israel, flip to it. Or if you're on an electronic device, Google it quickly. Let it come up. You know this already. How many tribes of Israel? 12. You've seen me give this analogy a lot if you've been in this church. Imagine for just a second that this church is the nation of Israel. One-third of the nation resides on this side. There is a Jordan River right here. The other two-thirds resides on this side. Jerusalem is way down here in the lower left-hand corner. That means that of the 12 tribes, there are 11 that have land. One tribe doesn't have land. It's got cities throughout. The priestly tribe is the tribe of what? Levi. The Levites are not given land. Rather, they have cities scattered throughout. So that means on this side of the Jordan River, there's two and a half tribes. Then there's eight and a half on this side. That gives you 11. And the 12th is Levi, cities scattered throughout. So over here, the tribes that are being spoken to are the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Reuben, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. Why half? Because the Jordan River divided up the tribe of Manasseh. Half is on this side. Half is on this side. All right? Everybody with me? Does that make sense? Say amen. Okay? Hear me what I'm about to say. Most of the attacks that came from Israel, or came against Israel, came this direction. So if it's coming this direction from east to west, it would be this tribe, these two and a half tribes, that are initially going to face the brunt of the attack. Are you with me? It would also stand to reason that there would be some in this range because they're going from east to west. They've got to go across the Jordan River. Then they get into this side. They get into Jericho, Ai, and all the other cities we'll talk about. It stands to reason that once they've conquered this territory... The folks that live here, it stands to reason, would say, well, wait a minute. Do we have to go over there? This is our home. The tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Can't we just stop here and let y'all go finish the fight over there? Keep reading. Now go back to the text. Notice what it says. Go back to your text, please. Verse 12. Reubenites, the Gadites... Half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word of the Lord of Moses. Servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, Lord, hath God hath given you rest, hath given you this land. Your wives, this is Joshua answering that request. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on the side Jordan. In other words, the wives and the kids and the livestock, y'all can stay over there. You settled it. Here's the tribe of Gad. Here's the tribe of Reuben. Here's half the tribe of Manasseh. As we go across, the wives, the kids, and the livestock, y'all can stay. Keep reading, but everybody else. Your wives, your little ones, 14, shall remain in the land of Moses, gave you the side of Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren, armed all the mighty men of valor, and help them. To the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he hath given you and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them then shall you return to the land of your possession and enjoy it which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising it's a powerful statement because in in addition to Joshua telling everybody to be ready he tells everybody to be responsible as well. Because it would have been very easy 
for those over here on this side as they took possession of the land again from east to west. As this side is conquered, it would have been easy for the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half the tribe of Manasseh to say, we fought our fight. We've got our land. Y'all go take care of yourself. Don't be so surprised. That's the attitude of the average Christian today. Attitude of the average believer, unfortunately, today is, I'm really only worried about me and my four no more. I'm only really, really worried about me and my family. I ain't worried about nobody else. As you look at me, that, that, that attitude is nowhere found in that Bible you hold in your lap. Old Testament, New Testament, that attitude is nowhere found in Scripture. In fact, what we find is that we desperately need one another. And when you fall, I'm not to stand in the background talking about you, but I'm to extend a helping hand and pull you back into the land of blessing. Far too many believers today, far too many churches today fall apart uh, because of the little gossip mill that begins to happen when somebody falls in faith. I'm not talking about losing their salvation. You don't do that. Uh, but I'm talking about getting caught up in a temptation. Uh, Paul calls it those that are taken up in a fall. Uh, far too many people today uh, have their testimonies and lives destroyed, not just because of the sin that they get involved with, uh, but because of the silliness that happens down at the church house. Amen. And so Joshua says to them over here, their battle is your battle. Yes, your wives, your children, your livestock, they can stay. But when we go over here to fight, every one of you got to come fight with us. Until the battle is won, then you can go back home. Be ready. Be responsible. We go now to number three this evening. We said number one was God's commandment. Number two was Joshua's challenge. Let's finish up our introductory message tonight with what I am calling Israel's commitment. I'll quickly go through these last couple of verses. God has laid out what he wants them to do. Joshua, as their new spiritual leader, Joshua had been the general, now he's the spiritual leader. He's taking ownership, if you will, of the people. He's told them how he wants them to conduct themselves. Now Israel has a choice. Listen very carefully. Now Israel has a choice. Are we going to do what God said and have his best? Or are we going to do what we want and suffer the consequences? Are we going to do what God says and have his best? Or are we going to do what we want and suffer the consequences? Here's what they decided. Go back to your text. Look at verse 16. And they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. Joshua. Now, I want to remind you, folks. Scholars believe that there's two to three million people. Two to three. That's men, women, boys, and girls. So let's cut that in half. Let's just make it about a million of men. Because, in fact, what we're talking about is the battle that's got to happen. To claim this land, there's going to be a lot of battle. To claim spiritual victory, church, we're going to be battling every day. This is not a playground we're in. It's a battlefield. It's not a playground. It's a battlefield. It's another reason why we know that Canaan's not a type of heaven. Heaven's not a battlefield. Heaven's paradise. But this is a battlefield. And so now, a million men and wives and children, I think, stood up as well and said, Whatever you say, Lord and Joshua will do. They surrendered themselves to the leadership of God. One of the great lessons of my Christian life was the day I learned that I stand the tallest on my knees. One of the greatest lessons that I've ever discovered is that my greatest fighting happens in prayer. Don't misunderstand me. I fought a few battles not on my knees, outside of what I believe was the perfect will of God, and boy, did I make a mess of it. They surrendered. Here's the next thing. Look at verse 17. According, 
as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. That's them talking to Joshua. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. This is a powerful statement. I'm going to paraphrase it so that you understand it. Think of Joshua as their spiritual leader now. That's what he was. And, and, and to that spiritual leader, they said, we'll, just like we did with Moses, just like we followed Moses, look at me, they didn't always follow Moses. You go read about, the, you go read the book of Exodus, they took many a detour on the Moses pathway. They said, as long, they, they said, just like we were with Moses, we will follow you. And then there's that little clause, only the Lord God be with thee. Let me paraphrase it like this. They said, as long as you're following God, we'll follow you. As long as you're following God, we'll follow you. And then, to show you how much they meant it, the last verse contains something we're not doing. (laughs) Read the last verse with me. We're not going this far. Look at what it says. Verse 18. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment. Now they're talking to Joshua. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, we're going to put him to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. I know we can get caught up in this idea of the fact that they put to death those that would not obey. Here's what I want you to get out of this simple verse folks because not only did they surrender and submit this is important by putting them to death they separated themselves from those who would not walk with God that's a hard lesson church and I get it separation ain't a popular preaching topic in 21st century America separation does not draw a crowd Preaching on separation doesn't put money in the offering plate. Separation doesn't give us a lot of whooping, hollering, and amens, but it is still biblical doctrine. In a, in, a, in a society, listen, I'm done. In a society where I think you'll amen when I say that's getting spiritually worse and worse and worse. Amen. Doesn't it stand to reason that we of God's children need to be different? Doesn't it stand to reason that if we're going to get God's best, we can't be like the world? One of the things that really keeps me up at night, candidly, is the desire I see in so many people today that I believe are saved. I'm not anybody's judge. Don't misunderstand me. But there seems to be in the modern church movement today a desire to become more and more and more like the world. When God tells us so clearly to pull further and further and further away from the world. Now, when we talk about separation, we always talk about what we separate from. But there's the flip side of that coin. You see, when we separate from something, that means we separate to something else. analogy that I always use is I separate further from this bench, I get closer to this bench. The only way I can get closer to this bench is to separate from that bench. So here's what I've discovered. I, 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 I spent a lot of Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights talking about stay away from this and stay away from that and don't do that and don't misunderstand me. All of that is important. It was a few years ago that I discovered in my own life the closer I get to God, the further I get from the junk of this world. The closer I get to my Father, the less attractive that junk becomes. So I'm still going to preach about don't do this and don't do that and don't go there and don't go there and don't act like, but I'm also going to do an awful lot of preaching about if you want Christian victory, you got to get closer to God. you got to draw closer to God. You know what he says? If you draw closer to him, 
He'll draw closer to you. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Nobody's looking. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Brother Ken, come get us a song to sing this evening. If you would, please, sir. Thank you for your attention tonight. There's exciting passages in the book of Joshua. Candidly, probably my favorite book in the Old Testament. Because it is so real about the battles that we face. The first battle that we face is, of course, salvation. The second battle we face is claiming that Christian victory. But the good news is it is available to all of us. So I'm just going to ask Brother Ken to sing us a verse tonight. Just one. And if you're here this evening and you want to slip up to this altar, for whatever reason it is, something you're facing, family members facing, something you're experiencing, I want you to just come right now. Don't worry about who's looking. Doesn't matter. Just come on right now. One verse. Brother Ken, sing for us tonight. Have thine own way. Brother Ken, look this way. We're going to say a word of prayer and be dismissed. I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night. Here's why. Of course, Awanas begins Wednesday night. Thank the Lord for that. Excited by that. But if you know the book of Joshua, you know that as they get into the promised land, they make across these two and a half tribes, start that onward progression. They come to a great walled city. We know it as the city of Jericho. It's got to come down. God says it's got to come down because God tells them to possess the land, leave nothing standing. And so Joshua sends some spies into Jericho to determine the battle worthiness of that great city. And he sends them to an unusual spot. And they meet an unusual woman. A woman that we call the harlot. Her name is Rahab. Here's the incredible thing. Despite her past, God puts her in the bloodline. We'll look at that Wednesday night. Father, thank you for the time this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of the book of Joshua. And the reminder that spiritual victory can be ours. Lord, we know we're going to battle. God, we know we're going to fight. We know plainly in your words that there'll be so many problems that we face. But spiritual victory can be ours. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us as we go through this series. Lord, that we, you'd, you would remind us about the importance of drawing closer to you and further away from the things of this world. Thank you for this book, for its impact upon our lives. Bless us this week. Lord, we'll sure thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Fellowship with each other. Thank you for being here. We'll see you Wednesday night.